0: Attention, citizens, it's time for Super Pulp Science. This is Super Pulp Science, where we talk about how genre gets made. I am here, I'm right there with you, dear listener. I've missed him too. Welcome back to the show, Justin Curry.
1: I just missed one, didn't I? Did I, I miss two? I think
0: our, in our posting schedule, it's at least two that you haven't been maybe here. Maybe so, because of that to the dear listener... I just want you to know that we've also missed your presence. And you just to go on the record. Dan, however, you know, finds it runs more smoothly when you're not here. No, so, that's not true at all. Isn't that what no. you said after <laughs> there? I was actually going to
2: say, if Justin's not here, I'm not going to show up. Because oh. uh, it's not worth recording if Justin oh, isn't here. It hurts. <laughs> it hurts so much. Just go um,
0: We have at the studio, dear listener, been trying to abide by uh, whoever has the sniffles doesn't come in. Is sort of our, like, gentleman's agreement at the studio. So we just... We've been like ships in the night. But here we are again. Where have you been? What hopes and dreams have you uncovered?
1: Yeah, I was feeling a little... Like, Monday last week, something started to creep up. It wasn't... I could tell something was happening. Something was brewing. (laughs) Something Something was brewing. I could feel it. And so for the next... Like, two days, I slept and laid around and did not move and did not do anything, and I think I turned what should have been, like, a week and a half flu into, like, three days, and then it was out of my system. Yeah.
0: The one good thing about our lifestyles, um, and uh, my yeah. wife Tara is going through that right now, this morning, the alarm goes off to get her kids up to school, and she goes, no. And she just <laughs> looks at me. She says, No. And I was like, all right, I got it. She's like, good. And she just rolls over, which is like code for I'd rather sleep now than get sick. Or I'd rather, like, I can feel it. It's like, you know, and we have that luxury of what that means is, what that no means is. Tonight she's working, right? And this morning I'm I'm dadding. You know, we're just swapping some roles and that's just how that's going to go. So um, hats off to every freelancer and creative person who listens to this show who has ever had to slide their schedule around like ice on a skillet, on a hot skillet, <laughs> to uh, make things work. Uh, we're right there with you. Um, one of the things I want to ask you about today, Justin, because I just came from a meeting. It's official now. The documents are signed. I came um, from a meeting with the St. James Assiniboina School Division, where I'm going to do a after-school program remotely, to any students, for any students in the province of Manitoba teaching creative writing and creative expression in their literacy program. Um, it's free for anyone who's listening to this podcast who wants to sign up. They just have to look up uh, online learning center, Manitoba, Google Literacy link in Program. Strips. I'll put the link in the we'll description. We'll put the link yeah. in there, yeah. And uh, uh, every six weeks it rolls over. And the mandate I gave them, they, they approached me with the job. They said, we have a, uh, you did some work with us during pandemic. We loved it. We got great feedback. Can you come and do something like that again? And I had given them a list that basically said, like, I don't want to ever have to do any marking, and I don't want to ever have to do, you know. I gave them a, a list of things that were mandated that got in the way of actual creative expression in a meaningful structure, and so then they brought this job to me that had all of my boxes ticked and said, so would you do this one? It's a couple hours a day, a few days a week. Um, you get to call all the shots and you get to do it remotely. And I said, well, what if I was at the floor of San Diego Comic-Con and I had to teach my class from the middle of a convention? They said, we would take you even on those terms. So Cool. Um, but it got me thinking about the value of creativity. Because my, all my pushback was related to what creativity is, how do you develop it, how do you get kids to actually use their imaginations, which I think is even more important than ever as more and more online tools seem to be offloading the notion of imagination as something you just put into a chat box, right? And I think teaching people to use their imagination is so important. So I want to go back into little Justin's. Ancient past.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Little Justin is maybe in grade one or two. When was the first time you can remember
1: having an idea that you wanted to do something with? Lego. It all has to do with Lego back then. I saw, I was probably too young, but the movie Event Horizon.
2: You were way too young for that if yes. you saw How when it came out.
1: When did that come well, up? Late, yeah, late 90s. I saw the
2: theater. It was I late 90s. i in the theater yeah. three times. Oh my God. <laughs> I couldn't see it again after I the first time. I've seen it more than once. <laughs>
1: So, Event Horizon has a, it's a sci-fi, horror, dystopian. It's kind of like Lovecraftian, isn't it? Oh, yeah.
0: yeah. An Anderson, one of the Andersons, but not the one that does everything in pastel colors. Mm. A different Anderson. Okay. Yeah.
1: Um, But it had, like, a very unique ship design. It had, like, a really cool ship design. And I remember, like, I, I loved building spaceships, but that was the first time I really sought out to build something Massive and based off like something I saw. So
0: you had like a moment of inspiration? Yeah. And you just had
1: to. I just had to translate that into Lego. And so I built like the biggest, most elaborate spaceship I'd ever built out of Lego. The Event Horizon ship. The Event Horizon ship, yeah. 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 <laughs> With the really, it has like a huge hallway in between like its its, it's front like, section and back section yes. and
2: yeah. yeah. Kinda reminds me of the two thousand one ship a little it's bit. It's similar yeah. in
0: concept. The notion being in the design that the drive of the ship is sort of dangerous so it's kept separate from the crew sections by and this long gantry way between the two
1: of them yeah and so like I remember building it and then getting like a pretty strong reaction from like family members who had all like seen the film and then seeing this creation being like whoa so
0: the moment of inspiration and then the tools by which you explored that moment of inspiration—I want to get at—I want to dig into here a little bit. I just want to know: it, if you,
2: Did you recreate that scene where everyone's tearing each other apart okay. in Lego Guys inside? You pull like it open, no, and everyone's like I had, covered in blood. I had
1: the hallway with the bombs in it. It was a long hallway, and I had a couple guys, and I had like the little sections, okay, like the little bombs cool. placed along it, and it could separate. The back section could like oh, decouple that's cool. so could and recouple. You play through the explosions. Nice. Nice. Is this the right example, though? Because this, no, this is, is more. This is perfect. This yeah, is okay. perfect.
0: Because we do what we can do. That's mm-hmm. how we explore our imaginations, right? We don't need someone else to come in with all this scaffolding, right? You saw something that was a point of inspiration. This couldn't have been a, more, a better planned example, right? You saw something that inspired you, and then you wanted to experience it again on your own terms, right? Which is really what imagination is for. Right? And then you had to go through all of the steps necessary to build it in three dimensions to decide how is it going to separate, the, you know, even those little details like include the bombs. For the dear listener who haven't seen the movie, there's a really pivotal plot point where they decide if they can separate the drive section from the ship, maybe they can be separated from the actual portal to hell. <laughs> um, and for those of you wondering how well I know this movie,
1: Liberate Tutime Ex Inferis. It had uh, third act problems. That movie. <laughs> it, yes, it did. Remember the guy who was just floating away the entire movie? Sam Neill, though, right? Yeah, Sam Neill. Sam Lawrence Fishburne. Yeah, it's a yeah. great Lawrence cast. Fishburne. It's a very good cast,
2: yeah. Absolutely. Like
1: shortly after Jurassic Park. So I remember. Oh, baby
0: like, Bear, when he's floating away. Yeah, baby like
1: a. Oh, when he's decompressing? <laughs> yeah. Ugh. That would have been fun oh, in life, That was though. a pretty traumatic scene. I won't go back there. I won't.
0: No, oh, baby bear. Come on, open the door. What's
2: so you took the, the first medium you thought of, which is Lego, right? Something you played with as a kid. Let's recreate this. When did that shift to art for you as far as recreating things that well, inspired I you? Well, it is so. Okay, sorry, I'm getting ahead of things. But,
0: wait, yeah, we're, we're jumping ahead. So you had um, very relevant, Dan, but I think I just want to deconstruct it a little bit more. You had inspiration. Then you mm-hmm. had exploration where yeah. you built it yourself. When did experimentation, what did you do with that? What happened to that model once you achieved imitation because that's how we first use like part of the
1: story that i kind of remember is like i you know i'd get lego for christmases and birthdays and i would build whatever the kit was and then very shortly after destroy it and make my own (laughs) things like it was a very brief moment in time that it was The the spaceship that it was meant to be yeah and then it was okay now i have exciting new parts that i can experiment with over here right and I remember building the ship, being proud of it, and it took a very long time for me to destroy it, to destroy it which was a big deal because everything was always just kind of a, a brief, the, the, sh- the designs, the constructs only like, lived for a brief like, flicker, and then they were destroyed to make new things. Okay, two
0: tracks I want to follow. Number one, did you, do you think that's because there was no plan you followed except the one in your head? And so it was harder to deconstruct a thing that you had come up with?
1: No, like I also just dist- like things that I made too. Okay, this is cool. And it would like, you know, play with it for a day or two and then destroy it and make something else. But this I didn't destroy for a long time. Okay, why yeah. do you think that is? Because it was it was precious. It was something big and ambitious that worked. And did external, did you receive external validation? People and you,
0: you mentioned a few people came in and said like, oh, wow. Do you so. think that's yeah. part of it too? Think is that so. if you yeah. undid that, you couldn't relive that feeling? Mm-hmm. Um, a parentheses here, I just want to say. I don't know if we've mentioned this before. We must have talked about this on the podcast. But you starting out with your earliest idea of creativity realized being a whole bunch of little colored pieces forming the thing that you have imagined is literally your entire career moving little colored pieces around into mm. compositions do you think can we do we give Lego credit for your whole I career? always give
1: Lego credit I often compare my yeah how I work. I, Compared to Lego. I make cool pieces, and then I combine them and use them in other places. And
2: yeah. And I can say I've had a very similar experience. I didn't build the ship from um, Event Horizon, but I did make out of Lego when I was a kid a little PKE meter from Ghostbusters. Mm. Little thing comes, and it comes out, yeah, yeah. and I was like, yeah, I'm like Egon. Of course I want to be like Egon. I was yeah. such a nerd. Um, but, uh, yeah, th- that kind of stuff. Like, you see something cool in the movie, recreate it You're able to as build best it, you can. Yeah. yeah, That's Lego. It's awesome.
1: Constructs. Remember,
0: can- oh, stocks. yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: Is Gosh. that the
1: one you needed like a little wrench to? I think so. No, no, no well, that's I'm connects. Thinking of a connects. Different
0: one. Maybe it's connects, whichever one had the plastic bars and the little wheels um, six-sided connectors yeah maybe
2: it's connects something like that it's spelled weirdly yeah anyway. i
0: know what you're but i about built you. so this is tells you like i'm <laughs> 10 years older than justin so i built the last starfighter ship oh, <laughs> oh that's pretty cool that. and i can remember just being like so proud of myself that's pretty that cool did the
1: uh the
0: it. death blossom open uh, the Death Blossom didn't open, but what I had in those days was also cans of silly string. <laughs> <laughs> so, I thought the way I used the Death death Blossom was to spin the ship and shoot silly string. That's over. awesome. That's so great. Whatever it hit. Here we go. I counted. Yeah. Um, so, in visual art, so often people equate imagination with like, oh, you draw or you write or you whatever. But I think it's just really the way that you deconstruct your experiences, and then reconstruct your experiences. And I have lately been um, summing it up as the interplay between... uh, what we perceive and what we create happening at the same time. And those of you who are also film fans can think about uh, that scene in Inception where they're talking about how to build a dream space, right? You need to to create it and you need to perceive it at the same time. And they slide in the middle to steal your thoughts, right? Mm -hmm. But really, imagination is the ability to perceive and create at the same time. You have a thought in your head. You know what it looks like. You know why it's there. And then you're trying to create it in some physical manifestation, whether it's through dance or through music or s- through some other thing, right? <laughs> the idea, um, uh, the existence precedes the essence of the thing.
2: It is creating something from nothing yeah. is what you're doing, right? Yeah. Yeah.
0: And yeah. even though um, so much of our culture is remix culture now, yeah. you know, and even what, we des- yeah. what we're describing is a remix of a thing that inspired us. But that point of inspiration comes
1: in, Right. So these Isn't sets. everything a remix? We're just not in a lot of... Like, everything's kind of a remix of something else. They just don't quote their source material. I oh, think sure. So. yeah. Kirby
2: yeah. Ferguson is a great uh, TED Talk. Uh, everything's a remix. He's got yeah. a thing about yeah, yeah. it. It's a really good video. You can find that on YouTube. We just don't stop
1: that label on it because I want to see more artsy right. and original. I don't want to tell you actually where I was inspired by. Right. So you think it's 100% me.
0: Yeah. And um, we were talking in the studio recently about... Um, now I've forgotten his name, the famous Americana painter. All the. Rockwell. Norman Rockwell. Yeah. Norman Rockwell. Rockwell yeah. Hiding, a of hiding his. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, there's a, a famous article or like interview where he was explaining that he got um, really practiced at dissembling his projection materials before interviewers would arrive so that no one would mm-hmm. know that how he painted people so well was he projected those people onto the canvas <laughs> and then painted over, like basically traced mm-hmm. his own photographic reference. Now he took those photos, but then embellished each one, mm-hmm. right? Didn't want people to understand that
2: they might be able to do it too.
1: <laughs> it's the magician and, revealing his tricks, right? It's yeah. like, oh, okay, now I see how you do it. That's easy.
2: And he, but he inspired an entire generation of artists to copy them, right? Everybody kind of copied that feel at the time anyway of yeah. the Norman Walkwell yeah. style. and became such a, a part of that time period, I think. Right. So what
0: is the value then? I mean, one thing that I really appreciate, and I'll, I'll say this on the record for the dear listener too, whenever someone comes up to Justin at a show and says, how do you do this? He will ask them first, do you know Illustrator? And if they say no, he says, well, he basically assembles stuff in the computer until it's the way I like it. And they go, oh, okay. And they leave. If they say yes, they know Illustrator, he rolls up both sleeves of his <laughs> smart jacket and he leans on the table right forward to them and then... They start talking the process, right, of using Vector to create these compositions and illustrations. Because, like, the layperson doesn't actually care to know, but they also lack, I think, the vocabulary to actually discuss it.
1: Yeah, you get to talk shop.
0: Yeah, in a meaningful way. So let's come back around. What is inspiring you these days?
1: Actually, okay, so this is, this is a good thing to talk about. Because I know you just texted something exciting. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I find this happens almost like every January. I am I'm overwhelmed with ideas, and it's gotten to the point where I have this, this InDesign document that is just basically thumbnails of like a year and a half worth of ideas of work. If I just stopped thinking and only worked, I have hundreds and hundreds of hours of ideas planned out. And it's getting to the point where like I'm, these great ideas are still coming, but I'm almost wanting to squash them down because I have so much on my plate. But that seems really, that, that seems like a terrible thing to do. I'm yeah. Like, why I'm,
0: do this jo- Why take this on as your profession and uh, vocation if you're going to push away good ideas when they're coming? Yeah. Out? Yeah. yeah. Um, so, so where do you put them? Is that what you're getting at?
1: You hide them somewhere? No, I'm still, I'm still jotting them all. I'm gonna pitch you guys a story that I came up with just a, like a week ago, or no, it was it was a couple days ago? It was I want to say like Monday. I stayed up till two in the morning storyboarding a book that I have no business planning out right now because I'm in the middle of a huge book project and I don't have time That's how it happens. to start another book project. But that's always how it happens, right? Your best ideas happen when you have no time to really tackle them. And I think it's a crime to dismiss them or push them away or try to forget about them. At least get the, like, write it down, sketch it out, jot it down, because you you also always take for granted, I'm going to remember this for later. I'm going to come back yeah, to this totally. when I have time, and I'm going to remember what was so exciting about it. And you never do. Even yeah. like a week later, you're like, what the, Was that great idea I had?
0: Yeah. Oh, my God. What happened to your eyes? Where we're going? We won't need eyes to see. And finding ways to fit it into your, you know, work a day schedule. Mm-hmm. Like, if you're a, a dear listener who is like at your job right now going, oh, wouldn't it be nice if I had to put down one creative project so that I could moonlight on this other creative project. But um, in 2015, when I was doing full-time teaching still, as well as doing graphic novels and book stuff on the side, um, my friend Errol Gordon posted on social media uh, a little feeling, it's something, I'm paraphrasing now, but it's like feeling listless I wish I had something creative that I wouldn't normally be involved in to work on. And I knew exactly, she's describing what you're talking about. Like, in the middle of some slogs, really I want a distraction, but it needs to be creative. I want a creative distraction. So I got in touch with her and said, um, you know, in my regular teaching day, I am, by the union, given my hour of lunch hour, which is the only time which counts as not theft of the services if you do something else. Right? And so I will endeavor to do something creative with you over my lunch hour, because I also am feeling this. I have a bunch of stuff I have to do when I get home, which are like half to creative things, deadlines, things I agree to. I have my uh, teaching gig, which I love and, and I want to put my attention into. But I do feel this listlessness. I want this. And we started in 2015 writing an epistolary novel writing letters back and forth to each other from the front lines of this future war. It's such a cool idea. Right? I love this. And so she would just... She, I would send a letter saying, you know, like, oh, this is what happened on the front. You know, I can't believe so-and-so died or this technology was used or this is what happened. And then she would write a letter from home saying, oh, this is what's happening with mom. Oh, this is what we're hearing about the front. Are these things true? And then when we didn't know what the answer was, we put in this third party into our letters, which was... Basically the overlord that edited things. I was gonna say, do you have like redacted sentences? So we (laughs) have sections that we redacted in our own letters, right? And then
1: would be like would give you this mystery. And over the hill I looked and I saw and then it's just a black, black redacted, redacted, redacted.
0: And so then our method of working on this book was to try and send to each other letters from both sides, the front and the home front. That wouldn't be redacted, but would allow each person to understand what it was really like. And so you talked around events and started using metaphors from people's lives. And it became this really fun exercise, which sadly, then we both got busy again. And we did, you know, basically a first draft. Didn't quite come to a satisfying conclusion. And then both promptly forgot about it. Literally forgot about it until you
1: forgot you wrote a book forgot we wrote
0: this book (laughs) and then when we were at the prairie comics festival she happened to visit and people were talking about lost novels and she said yeah Gregory, didn't we write a book once you know didn't we write that thing i was like yeah she's like oh it's too bad that's lost and i realized no we had written it back and forth in a google document and i've kept my google nice and polished ever since i said no i'm sure i have it hidden in the cloud let me look and it had not been edited or opened. The last time it was opened was 2015. And I was like, here it is. I'll send it to you. Do you want to finish
1: it? And so we're in the process of finishing this book that we wrote. Which this is great too. Uh, me and a friend were talking about this last night actually about how when you first come up with an idea, you were so in love with it and you're really, you really don't want to change that like initial idea or stray too far from what really got you excited in the beginning. You're too precious with that first idea. But if you kind of you're able to set it down and come back to it with fresh eyes, and you're not quite so drunkenly in love with it, you can be more like object with it and like change what needs to be changed. Absolutely. And yeah. you can make it way better than had you just kind of powered through and tried to really keep that core.
0: So something really interesting happened when I said, "Okay, we're going to meet. We're going to go through this book." Uh, I was busy doing eye collector pages, so I didn't really have time to sit down and read through carefully. You know the whole manuscript before we're going to meet. So I used a technology that had not been invented at the time that the book was written, and I had my computer read it to me in the voice of a like um, uh, British, uh, like a naturalized Indian woman in Britain. Right? Like you can set different tones. So, this, <laughs>
2: so how did you do this, first of all? How do you do this? And
0: it
1: was her part in a female British voice? <laughs> no, I just had the whole
0: manuscript read to it me. It just narrates this, it to you. Na- yeah. na- but it, it's not, I don't use like the super paid version, so it's the cadence is pretty robotic, which is okay. kind of perfect. Mm. Fits for this futuristic Fits. sci-fi. And so it's one letter at a time, and it's at this certain cadence. And I, I'm, I've told myself I'm not going to pause it, and I'm going to work until the book is
1: done. Did you make notes like, oh, God, we nope, need to change No, nope.
0: I'm going to treat it like an audiobook mm. where I don't get to change anything. And I'm not going to get open the part of my head that's like, what am I going to fix? I just listened to it while I worked on something else. And a couple of things happened. Number one, I didn't remember a single word of anything I had written, like not a <laughs> single thing. Every letter was a surprise to the point where I did not know which part was Ariel's and which part was mine. It was easier to figure out later when I was looking at the written, uh, how she uses
1: um, uh, punctuation and how I use it, I think is a real tell. Which is also perfect for that final product, too, because you you wouldn't have a consistent grammatical style right.
0: on both sides,
1: right? It would be different. That's It should right. be different.
0: It would be different because it's the letters. Yeah. But then also, I realized listening to it that all the ideas that became Automatic Age first happened in those letters. <laughs> there are these references to automatics joining the war and like what that looks like. And so we realized that really, this book that we wrote in 2015 is the war that they're talking about having already happened in the Automatic Age.
2: What if this is letters from... What's the name of the character again? The dad character? Oh, well,
1: yeah, Like, Is it in
0: the yeah. same yeah. universe? It's def- and so we realized that... If we were going to change this stuff, it would be more work to change what relates it to the Automatic Age than it is to just leave it in. And so this is, I think, letters from the characters in Automatic Age. It's still timeline-wise. It's still too long would have passed. Mm-hmm. So somebody's ancestor once fought in this war, and that's fine. Because it's
2: been like hundreds of years of yeah, right. war, right? it right?
0: be... Um, Something that a, a constant reader only would be someone right. to put that together wouldn't be necessary to know or understand, mm-hmm. but um, in the same way that if you read Stephen King and you know about breakers, then you would know where different novels fit into the timeline.
2: Mm-hmm. Right?
0: Um, but if you didn't, you wouldn't even care. you know. So, but it, all of this to say, imagination being the key thing, we were... We were perceiving and creating at the same time. These letters forced us to perceive and create at the same time. And then life meant we literally forgot we had made this thing. And now looking back at it, we've also decided not to change any of the letters as written, that we will not rewrite anything. We will only add in the middle, add supportive documents. Mm -hmm. So we made a list of other documents to write to make the, book to rewrite it Mm
2: -hmm. would
0: change the voice too much because we're different now and maybe one of the reasons why it rings so true is that i'm listening to it for the first time so i don't want to change any of those
1: did you enjoy it
0: i did yeah yeah. i was blown away this sounds really like like your ego up your own ass (laughs) but there were moments where i was like wow that that was really moving like that was really moving and then remembering, like, well, either Ariel or I wrote that, but I don't know who mm. was such a wonderful I hope disconnect. I wrote that
1: part. <laughs> yeah, that's
0: how I felt. <laughs> I felt, I'm like, I don't know who did I hope that detail was me,
2: because that's really good. Really? right? Have we had Ariel on the podcast? I, feel I like... don't think so. I've met her. I know I've met her. Yeah, Ariel Gordon. Um, yeah. And I, I, I might have been, at, actually, she might have been talking to one of my classes, so maybe not here. But anyway, we should have her on the podcast. Yeah, one of her
0: most recent collections, Treed. What's really interesting about her as a poet and as a... Um, Uh, nonfiction writer and an essayist is that we're very different in how we approach sort of story and what the constituent parts of story are. And so it was a really wild collaboration at that time too, because um, I would get these long descriptions of like the coffee table or the coffee grounds or like, do you remember when Billy and -and so-and-so rode their bikes down by the thing? You know, it's too bad that he's been killed. And, The kinds of approaches to building up the life, the inner life of a character that I don't take, I would see in the letters, right? Mm -hmm. That's the feeling I remember. But I think at a certain point it started to wear off on me as a collaborator and vice versa. So she would start to suggest weird pieces of technology. World building is a strength of mine. Um, And we just had a meeting here where she basically said, like, you keep doing the world building, that's your strength, and I'll respond to it. Mm -hmm. I'll keep doing the essentially emotional construction, and you respond to that, and we'll try to find that sweet spot again as we build these new things. But, you know, we really only have maybe five or 10,000 words
2: to write between us to essentially be finished with it. And so, so then you're making an effort not to change what you wrote seven years ago, eight yeah. years ago, almost. But what a, no what a,
0: substantive changes. Like, no, no substantive. But know, what happens when we'll you take it to, an, to a
2: publisher and you want to have that published? They're they're yeah, probably going to want to make changes to it, right? That's just part of working in this business, right? So, so at some point you will be making changes yeah. just yeah. based on the but process. It's,
0: it's about deciding when you're when you're done with it, like when you're willing to show it to. Like it's about deciding the moment where you've clicked the last piece of Lego in. The event horizon is fixed enough to say, <laughs> mom, dad, come take a look at this, mm. right? Mm-hmm. Where that external feedback is not going to derail your process.
1: I'm scanning for life forms. Man, I'm getting some really strange readings in here. Oh my God, I just realized in the trophy cabinet, this, this doesn't help the podcast, no, but in my trophy cabinet, I have a picture. Of me holding up Lego, and I think it is of that. <gasps> type. So you guys will get to see it. Do you have it? Oh, my we goodness. Yeah, Justin has this,
0: like, sealed Well, I don't, yeah, I, I'm not 100%, 100%. I, have p- I
2: have a picture of myself on my PKE meter. Oh. I do definitely take a photo of that. So you take a photo of these things you build because you want to remember them, right? You want to these, remember these accomplishments.
1: Yeah. If I have it, that'll be the thumbnail for this button.
0: <laughs> so um, this might hurt your Lego sensibilities, but I had a red plastic briefcase. At least in my mind, it was like a briefcase. But it was just a red plastic case. And that's where our loose Lego back in the day went. And if I built something, it would have to go into that case. If I really liked it, I would just gingerly try to carry that suitcase and put it down. Like, But when I felt like I was done with a piece, I would put it built into the case and then shake the case. <laughs> <laughs> So it, was it was awesome. like a hard shell back case. into its substance. And it would just yeah. like, yeah, it would just like come apart into
2: its bits, <laughs> into its pixels. That's and awesome. And I would
0: start again. But we didn't have any sets, right? No. They, hmm. they didn't really market it that way when we were the kids. We had tubs. Yeah. yeah. We yeah. had some. Sp- Space was one type, and city was a type of Lego. Yeah. I think
2: those were the only kinds I had. Yeah, at the time. that's right. Farm, maybe there's a farm one. Anyway, it was like it wasn't as like these days. Lego is almost Ooh. like a model kit. Almost mm-hmm. like let's build Hogwarts or let's build a Death Star. It's like a, you have a very specific. I have uh, planet a bit of follow. an
1: issue with some of. They have like the Infinity Gauntlet Lego set. They have Thor's hammer, which is just a rectangle. Come on, guys.
0: <laughs> like. Well, it comes down to who's buying it, right? right. People are building it as a yeah. model and putting it on display. It's different. And so, okay, so this comes back around to performative imagination versus actual imagination, right? So if you're going to build
1: Thor's hammer out of Lego and then put it on your bookshelf. And I'm so talking like this thing is like like 14 inches tall. So it's you are building the handle and the it's hammer out of Lego. Yeah. It's, life size, it's a cylinder. Yeah, yeah it's a life-size like hammer. It's just a, yeah, Yeah. come
0: on. The goal of that is to be able to perform the um, notion that you like Lego and like Marvel movies and have it on display. Yeah. It's actually not using your imagination Mm -hmm. because you're following the instructions a brick at a time. Mm -hmm. And then you're not taking it apart again after to use it for something else. Isn't that what AI art is? Isn't that what ChatGTP um, is? Is you can have the finished product, but you don't know how you made it. paying somebody to build your Lego kit for this you. This is what I'm yeah. okay. do, right? You're following the instructions, but all you
2: know how to do is follow the instructions. See, this is the but this isn't the plot of the Lego Movie. Right, remember the Lego movie, and that's what Emmett is struggling yeah, with—following yeah. the instructions versus becoming a creator and building, yeah. your, own yeah, building that, your own thing. That's why it's such a, it's such a good movie because that is movie. the essential debate over Lego. Right? Yeah. Do you follow? The, do you do that, or do you do your yeah. own thing?
0: And this is a degree, not a category.
2: Right. You can be
0: all those things at the same time. Like mm-hmm. my sons have sets of Lego; they do not want to take apart, and other ones they cannibalize all the time to build things from. Um, they got really into mechs recently so they found every kind of lego that they had that had joints moving mm. parts those are the those are like gold stripped those all out of yeah. their other lego sets and then put those joints together to make these gigantic mechanized like troopers
1: right Yeah, we've got some good moving parts in the studio Lego. We have a studio Lego chest that is...
0: Yeah, the kids like coming here. And I won't mix church and state. I don't let them bring their home Lego to the studio and vice versa. (laughs) So they know there's different things. So sometimes they're looking for just the right piece. And Mm -hmm. then they'll both, like, their shoulders will fall. And and they'll be like, oh, yeah, that piece is at the studio. And then they'll Mm. turn and look at me
1: like, dad, (laughs) dad. I'm like, nope, that stays at the studio. (laughs) My one of like my retirement dreams. Like I think like most people think like I'm gonna get a house by the lake and I'm gonna get a jet ski and <laughs> we, we, you know whatever. I want a a basement with a huge Lego collection full of those like tiny craft drawers where every piece is divided. You know you have a thousand. You would separate it. Well, I think like I'm I'm kind of glad I grew up without the internet because seeing the crap that like real Lego builders build these days is like overwhelmingly cool and i mm. think my little creative mind would have been crushed had i seen some of these setups and like some of the things they're building like um but yeah eventually i'd love to have just a insane lego collection like kind of like how you see those basements where the 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 older guys like obsessed with model trains oh yeah
2: will ferrell in the lego
1: movie yes yes i want (laughs) but yeah i want that but
2: he gets too he gets too into it right he gets a little too into it yeah Yeah.
1: overbearing i
0: might say (laughs) which is the idea of imagination as something you own Hmm. or something you use and so one of the things that i was talking to the school division about is like you know why i'm interested in doing this is because there's finally a sort of You've taken away all the things that stop kids from being able to come to me with an idea and us just work on it. Mm -hmm. That's what I want. Give me a class where someone can bring their creative idea to me, and I'll use every tool at my disposal to help them without telling them what they should be doing with it. Just present them as much Lego, if you will, in their story building as possible. And no
1: plan. How come we don't have a Lego section at our Comic-Con? A lot of cities will have one. There like is a one.
0: There is one. There is one. Scott at, Templeton, friend I of the podcast, would probably upset that you didn't notice all his hard work. For real we have one? For real, yeah. There's yeah. like a Lego Builders group. Yeah. Remember I showed you their business card, which was their website
2: printed on a piece of Lego or carved into a
1: piece? Yeah, of okay. I saw that. Yeah. I don't think I actually got around to seeing the actual tables. Yeah.
2: You, don't get, you don't get away from your table too much. That's the true. Um, I, I, what, how do you define a good imagination? To the ability to perceive and create simultaneously. But to do it well, right? As opposed to not doing it well. Well,
0: you're now getting into the translation. Use. The transla- you're getting into use. Imagination's purpose is not to create objects of use or definition. Well, use
2: to yourself, right?
0: Maybe. But to perceive and create. It's like, for example, what use was your Event Horizon
1: to you? Yeah, yeah. it was fun. It was, it was, a big fun. It was yeah. fun. It was a big project that I set out to do, when I finished. Right milestone in my Lego making career.
0: Right now, we encode memory based on emotion, and we encode memories strongest related to positive emotion. So, if you want to find a use for imagination, what you do in an educational point of view is you. Is you create a POV, a point of view for the student to have that is emotionally focused, that they are um, uh, intrinsically motivated to carry out a task, and then what you provide as a teacher are details related to learning the task in specificity. So specific language, specific skills. Right. Let's use uh, welding as a as an example because none of us here weld, right? But it would still hold up, right? If I was to teach you welding and I wanted to do it creatively, we could do an art project right? where I say your project must be six feet tall. That would force you through a series of gates which require you to have certain kinds of welding, certain kinds of bonds to understand how to get certain materials and use certain tools that only I could then teach you how to use. But your plan to get to a certain height would be yours,
2: Mm -hmm.
0: right? You'd be using your imagination And I'd be using my expertise so that we could create something of value. The value is actually the journey, not the object, right? Hmm. As far as a scaffold in education, the goal is to continue to be curious along the whole process. As soon as curiosity is removed, right, all you are doing now is maintaining. You're just a maintenance worker. And if you're just being a maintenance worker in your own mind, well, you just frankly get... Slower and slower and slower.
2: I'm waiting.
1: Do you sometimes wonder, like I, I think about this sometimes, how your um, imagination has warped and changed based on how you draw and how you create. You'll oh, yeah, come up with an idea and your mind immediately it to what you can do Physically, like what you can do on the paper, right? You don't, you don't imagine it as film because that's not your medium. You start to imagine it as a graphic novel. And nothing
0: more than collaboration lets you understand that. When, when you and I first started working on Cassie and Tonk, you know, our OG project together,
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, I saw illustration a certain way. My brain formula- formulated certain pacing in illustration. Once your skill set, was a way to express a new kind of idea, totally opened it up. Zach Schuster, who I'm working on with the project right now, totally a different part of my brain is opened up, knowing what he can do with composition. Uh, Scott uh, Henderson, same thing. A different part of me is opened yeah. up now, because the limitations of the tools right completely different. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, totally think that.
2: Yeah, Totally.
1: Think it's that. neat, right? Because now you have... Um, you have the tunnel you have you have the the funnel that you're taking this idea and you're squeezing it through if you're making a video game it's it's gonna now you're thinking about okay how can i move this story forward with like gameplay mechanics if it's a graphic novel what's that page turn look like yeah. if it's a web comic how do i distill this into four panels you're yeah you you have this like cloud of an idea and now you need to form it into your medium of choice it's kind of neat It's kind of neat like just realizing that and being aware of it like what your what your brain is doing to that idea and how it's translating it into something that you can make physical in the world and so when you ask like
0: what makes a good imagination right it largely depends on what you ultimately want the thing that comes out of it to be used for yeah Like you could argue that people who are building assault rifles have no imagination, but they actually have incredible imagination in order to achieve the end goal of ending others' lives. <laughs> right.
2: Right. You
0: just—I just don't
2: approve of it. it it's just—it's—it is how you use it. It really is how yeah. you use it. It's not right. about. And it's ultimately,
0: what it is. Um, you know, this is uh, Carl Sagan by way of Neil deGrasse Tyson. It is our. Imagination is the ability by which the universe knows itself through us.
1: Mm. Right? Yeah. Mm.
0: We're just space dust that's thinking. Yeah, organized into a way to think about whether or not we're space dust or not.
1: (laughs) Right? And
0: I think that that's um, really, really all there is to it. And so if you're listening to this podcast and you're wondering, you know, do I use my imagination enough? Number one, you do for sure but if you want to do it more find someone who's outside of your regular comfort zone for how you work like i did with Ariel and start something because their limitations will inform
1: you and you'll grow as a result of their mm-hmm. limitations and, and even if versa. you can't start it plan it out write down those blueprints and then later on you might be like you might not have time to do it right now but get those blueprints down because that takes no time and you will thank yourself later when you cuz otherwise you will not remember that idea you will not remember that pitch it'll it's fleeting yeah as much as yeah it hits strongly now it's not gonna you're not gonna remember
0: and even in your work-life balance like during pandemic when i jumped into the um school division to help out with some of the stuff they did i made notes for my ideal like there's a the old saying that in confusion there is opportunity right and so everyone was confused about what would happen and i was like oh well maybe the opportunity here is to design the kind of class i always wished i could have taught the reason i left teaching is i can't balance it with this lifestyle what would that balanced job look like? And that description I sent to my bosses. They offered me other jobs after, and I said, no, not unless it looks like this. Mm. And the one that was closest aligned to that list was the one that years later they said, phoned me up and said, hey, we have a job for you. It looks like this. And I was like, well, you know, I don't know. (laughs) My initial reaction was probably not. And they said, no, no, the list you gave
1: us Check it. Wait, yeah. <laughs>
0: right? Listen, mister. Listen, mister.
1: Right? We did we, what you asked. Yeah,
0: we finally have a program that does it. And in this case, uh, for those of you who are curious, um, the Online Learning Center in Manitoba has available to any student in Manitoba, no matter where you are, no matter what your uh, postal code is, uh, you can sign up for all kinds of after-school programs and classes. And uh, the literacy program, which is, uh, uh, I'm the one... Doing it, I have four uh, EAs, and we will be doing essentially running the classroom story for the entire length of it at six-week blocks. Cool, like yeah. pure creative energy. Sounds I'll like fun. Let you know if. Um, they lied to me. <laughs> so just wait
2: it. till you start marking those assignments. No <laughs> assignments. No come assignments. Right? No marking. Well, that's I mean no that's the, that's any instructor's dream <laughs> to be able to tell just talk in front of a class. i not have to mark anything.
1: Come yeah. on, yeah. that's awesome. You also have uh, McNally classes coming up. So have, you have, like you have a teaching. Yeah, I have some like, McNally stuff
0: coming up. I have some stuff with the uh, Faculty of Medicine. They've asked me to come and teach some doctors some stuff. Um, I have a one day on the thirteenth of some month coming up. I think it's February. I have a uh, one-day appearance at the uh, University of Winnipeg. Winnipeg or Manitoba, Jonathan?
2: He works for the Winnipeg. Winnipeg, for U of W. (laughs)
0: For one day, I'm going to be harassing Dr. Jonathan Ball's class. Red River wants us back as well. Yeah. And so what this really is all about is that Justin and I basically do the same thing when we show up at classes, which is the theme of this episode, it seems, is we just explain to people how we use our imagination. And everyone seems to be more interested in the result. How did it make money as opposed to being interested in the framework that allows us to use our imagination in a way that other people find it valuable
1: well, it's pretty understandable
0: and mm-hmm. it's understandable why people want that but the the truth is using your imagination every day is about as
1: cheap and easy and uh you know disruptive and influential as you could. Possibly but be How do you life. make that into a 10 easy ways to make money off of art article? <laughs> yeah, you can't really.
0: You can't really. <laughs> yeah. yeah, unfortunately, it's free. So, and it'll always be free. Um, but the less you use it, the less you have it. So maybe use it more often. Um, well, this has been a wonderful return of Justin to the podcast. I got to cross examine him. We got
1: to talk about Lego, and we, we got go to talk to about. See if I can find that picture, and I'll post it online <laughs> on my socials. So if okay. you go to Chasing Artwork at Instagram or Facebook, uh, by the time this is up, scroll back a couple of posts. There'll be me holding up a Lego ship. Awesome, and um, if you keep scrolling, you'll find a picture
0: of uh, of Gregory breaking modern day Gregory
1: breaking whatever recent thing Justin has made at the studio out of I Lego. built a the Horizon Zero Dawn released it. a uh, tall neck kit and I have it on my desk right now and well not not at the studio oh, desk, on my so you, desk we both I just looked over there the <laughs> I was gonna it on the episode no
0: well this has been Sewer Pulp Science this is Gregory Kamichuk encouraging you all to join the fight use your imagination make comics
1: and make Lego